Do you realize that even you standing up then, that was an act to break his stubbornness? Mm -hmm. Cause you know the idea of letting somebody go for something they owe to us. We don't really like to do that. Even though we need it. Now we need people to do it for us. But we don't like to do it. So your act of standing up and saying I'll release them. That is an act of stepping out of stubbornness. And that really is how you step out of stubbornness. You respond when there is an opportunity to live better. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Pastor we said last week is that there is none so blind as those who will not listen. There are none so blind as those who will not listen. And we talked about what stubbornness was. Stubbornness is defined as having or showing a persistent determination not to change one's behavior, attitude, or position on something in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. Stubbornness is the person, the, it is the attitude that says, I have tried this before. It didn't work. But because y'all told me to go a different way, I ain't going. That's what stubbornness is. And stubborn people live stuck. Mm. How many of you don't want to live stuck? I do not want to live stuck. In any area. And so then stubbornness is the tendency to resist any form of change. Stubbornness is resisting change. How many of you are quick to say, I don't really like change? People who don't really like change have a tendency to be stubborn. Mm. And you'll be praying for God to shift you into a new season. And then the instructions that he gives you to go into the new season because they're changed, you won't do them. And then you'll end up living in the same situation, praying for better when God has given you the instructions to get better, but you won't do it. So you have to identify stubbornness and then commit to not being stubborn. Amen. 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 Stubbornness can also be defined as opposition to one in authority. And we said last week that one of the things that we know is that if you don't submit to God, you're not going to submit to us. Hey, hey, listen, no real talk. If you don't listen to God, whenever I go, whenever I used to go in the barbershop and somebody would curse, somebody always goes, hey, that's Pastor Sean. She'll preach you don't curse in front of her. I always say the same thing. If you curse in front of Jesus, keep cursing in front of me. Because if you ain't bother cursing in front of Jesus, don't change what you're doing because I'm here because I'm not higher than Jesus, right? So if you won't respond to God, you will always struggle to respond to your parents, to your pastors, to your boss. And then there are two types of stubborn people that we talked about. They're the people who just outright tell you they're not going to do, they're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to do it. They're the people that as you're trying to tell them what to do, they're shaking their head. No. You, you, should, you should go to, they don't even realize that they're doing it, Right? And then there's that other stubborn person, which is a little bit trickier, which is while they look at you, they go, okay, you're right. That's exactly what I should do. For example, hey, Pastor Edwin says that it's time for you to get a new job if you don't make enough money. Amen. You're right. I'm tired of struggling. Go talk to this person and this person. I believe that they have your answer. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. And then two weeks later, did you talk to so-and-so? I forgot. You didn't forget you're stubborn. So, pay it. You can identify yourself, right? You go ahead. Yeah, and it's important to understand when we talk about submission being in opposition to authority, we talk about this word submit, right? 
Submission is not really submission until it's tested. Because if I ask you to do something and it's what you was going to do anyway, that's not submitting. Submitting is when you have to go against your own will. You have to bend your will to someone else's. Uh, Pastor Sean gave an example last week when she talked about that even now in our relationship, we have spiritual parents. And if we, if, if we have an impasse on something and I'm strongly on this side and she is strongly on this side and we can't do all of the things we know how to do to work together to reach a resolution, we call our spiritual parents. We explain to them our side. And she explains her side, I explain mine, and we let them govern the matter. We have decided to submit that authority to them so that even if they say I'm wrong or she's wrong, we bend our will to that. And what most people don't want is they don't bend their will, not to us, to God. Most people don't bend their will to God. God says do something, and for whatever reason, we think when God speaks, we think it's optional. Yes. See, it's like, it's like if you, as a, as a parent, I politely tell my kids to do stuff. I say, would you mind washing the dishes? Now, I don't really care whether they mind or not. It's just a polite way to say, you better wash those dishes. When God is saying something to you, he's just being polite. Say lot. See, you think because he's polite that somehow he's giving you an option. But when God speaks, he speaks in absolute. He doesn't speak in, in maybes. So when he says to you, don't say anything in return, or he says, you know, you probably shouldn't say that. He don't mean you really get to decide whether to say it or not. He means don't say it. And when you learn that, that, that submission is about bending your will, stubbornness doesn't have a, 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 threshold, a threshold to get into your life. Stubbornness is a strong man. And if you get a strong man in your life, the only way to get the strong man out is through the word. So you can't will yourself out of stubbornness. And a lot of times people are trying to will their way out of stubbornness. Understand this. When you, when you become stubborn, stubbornness is, a, stubbornness is a spirit. It is a resistance to change, and it literally is a resistance to resist all types of change. But how many of you know in life everything is changing? So if the enemy can get you to be stubborn, he gets you to fight against your own life. And so that's why stubbornness is such a, such a dangerous spirit that we got to get out of our lives. Amen. Amen. And it's really important to understand this, that um, submission isn't a dirty word. Tell your neighbor, say submission isn't a dirty word. Submission isn't a dirty word. And because submission has been used to oppress people, people are afraid, are afraid of the idea of telling of somebody being able to tell them what to do. Mm hmm. But the truth of it is, is you don't know everything. Say, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. Saying there are some people. There are some people. Who could help me if I let them. And so um, you want to be purposeful in your heart to be submissive because it's really interesting. Most people want to hear the word that says this is going to be your great year. Amen. Who want to hear that? This is your year of great victory. Everybody wants to hear that it's time for them to win. What people don't want to hear is that in order to win, you got to be on time. In order to win, you got to quit being so selfish. In order to win, you got to quit being so stubborn. Mm -hmm. And so what we try to do is embrace the good without embracing the pruning process that God always takes us on when he's trying to take us to another level, mm -hmm. right? So in 2 Chronicles 30 and 8, it says, don't be stiff-necked. As your ancestors were, submit to the Lord. 
Come to his sanctuary, which he consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. He says, don't be stiff-necked. There are consequences that some of you are facing simply because you keep trying to do it your own way. It really ain't the devil at this point. It is not the haters at this point. It's that you have dug your heels in and said, I'm going to do it this way, come hell or high water, even when doing it this way is causing you to sink. Mm -hmm. I was reading that scripture this week out of another translation, and it used a word that I had, that, that I know we know, but I don't see it in the Bible. It said, do not be hard-headed. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I heard that a lot growing up. <laughs> don't be hard-headed. In other words, when somebody tell you something, listen, don't do the opposite of what somebody tell you to do just to prove that you can do it. And so literally the Bible is saying, do not be stiff-necked. Don't be hard-headed. Don't be stubborn. When the Lord is giving you an instruction Obey the instruction, even if it's not what you would naturally do. Because how many of you just want to be honest? God's smarter than you. Amen. Yeah, yeah. God's smarter than you. I know you don't think that sometimes, but God is smarter than you. So if God is saying do something, then you have to learn to do it. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 32, 8, 9, we read this last week. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you and I'll watch over you. He says, do not be like a senseless horse. Don't be like a mule that needs to put a bit or a bridle in their mouth in order to keep them under control. Mm -hmm. The Lord says, don't, don't, don't make our relationship have to be a contentious one. Don't, 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 don't make the situation have to be that I'm always having to almost grab you and pull you in a direction to get you to do what's best for you. You know, because how many of you know that, let's just be honest, if somebody come to you for help, and they're asking you for help and you're giving them advice and every single time you give them advice, they don't do it. At some point, don't, be honest, don't you get tired of giving them advice? Yeah. And sometimes we stop. But if they're really, really close to us and we know that the things that they do, if they mess up, is actually going to cause us pain, too. We end up having to drag them to do the right thing. The Lord is like, don't make me drag you to do the right thing. Don't let stubbornness cause us to have a contentious relationship. In the um, Passion Translation, that scripture says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Mm -hmm. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Just come. Let me ask you a question. How many of you can admit that you have not lived tomorrow yet? <laughs> Absolutely. Have you lived tomorrow <laughs> yet? Not. No. It, it, anybody in here who lived tomorrow already? Right. So why would you fight God's instructions for tomorrow? You haven't been to tomorrow. That's good. That's good. Why would, my grandmother used to say this all the time when she would try to give me advice. She would say, Sean, I have been 16, but you have never been 65. <laughs> and so... God has been everywhere you're trying to go. So why would you fight God when he's trying to take you? Kids, why would you fight your parents? It's funny, sometimes our kids, would they'll be talking to us about school, and um, we used to say this with one kid in particular a lot. Everyone said, you're trying to get him instruction about how to get the best grade in the class, and they're pushing back on you, right? And they'll go, well, I got a degree. I already graduated high school. I already got a bachelor's degree. Matter of fact, I got a specialist and a doctorate. 
but, but you go ahead and do what things work, you think works for you, right? If you're not coachable, because if you're uh, stubborn, you are not coachable. coachable. You are not coachable. If you are stubborn, you are not coachable. And, and let's take this to something like athletics or something like music. I hear people all the time who can sing. They'll be like, oh, I can sing so much better than so-and-so. But you hear and they there. And part of the reason that you're probably here and they're there is because they were coachable and you weren't. Mm -hmm. Oh, so-and-so can play basketball. You know they play under the bridge. And they better than, than LeBron. But you weren't coachable because you're here. Mm -hmm. Because when they told you to go to class, you didn't go to class. So then you flunked out of school so you couldn't get eligibility to go to college. See, you have to be coachable in order to be successful. And sometimes you can be great as an individual and not as part of a team. Well, preach. And the problem is, is that in society, you have to learn to work as a part of a team. So you may be a great individual singer. You may be a great individual ball player, but you make the whole team stink. And so as a result, because you're not coachable, yeah, you're great, but you're not great with the team, and the team is what's needed. I can't tell you how many times there have been people who've been really, really smart and really, really talented, but they couldn't work on the team. And because they couldn't work on the team, guess what? We found somebody who was slightly as talented, but who could work on the team, and they were the people who got the job. Why? Because they were too stubborn to be coached. And if you can't be coached, you're, you're never going to be great. Yes. Yeah. And coachable people can follow instructions. And so that's what the Bible says in Hebrews 3.15. It says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So we want to talk to you this morning about what it is that you can do to stop or eliminate stubbornness from being in your life. Amen? Amen. The scripture, in the scripture, the word stubborn is often surrounded by other challenging words. Words like proud, rebellious, unfaithful, greedy, obstinate, and defiant. When you're reading the Bible and you see those words, it's talking about people who were stubborn. Can you imagine how stubborn you would have to be for the Lord to deliver you out of a deathly situation? And then six months later, you go right back to doing what you were doing before he delivered you. But how many of you want to be honest? We have all done that in our life. We have all. Oh, y'all going to play me this morning. How many times have you said to the Lord, Lord, if you just get me out of this situation, just this last time. I promise I ain't never going to do it no more. But the moment you get out of that situation, and the moment the fear left, the moment the thing left. Listen, as a kid, I don't know how many times I prayed, Lord, just don't let her whoop me this time. Let my mama just talk to me. If she just talked to me this time, I promise I won't play with them matches in the bathroom no more. Lord, just. Lord, don't let her kill me. No, let, she would be whooping. I'd be like, Lord, don't let her kill me. If you don't let me die this time, I won't never sneak out the house no more. But you know what? I snuck out again. Why? Because as soon as the pain leaves, you forget about the pain and go back to this natural thing. That's why I said to you, you can't will your way out of stubbornness. If you're going to get out of stubbornness, you need a supernatural encounter with God in order to get you out of stubbornness. Amen? So you don't want to be proud. You don't want to be greedy. You don't want to be rebellious. You don't want to be obstinate. You don't want to be unfaithful. None of those actions or attitudes are in line with kingdom principles. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You, you talk all the time about how, and you can explain it better than I can, about how the kingdom is a theocracy. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. Like, the challenge for people in America is that you live in a democracy. Some of you even went to churches that was democracies. You took a vote about whether you was going to get light bulbs or not. 
You took a vote about whether the kids could go to camp or not, right? And so you took a vote about whether you could call the pulpit vacant or not, right? Well, you know what? Pastor, make us go to church too much. We don't want to fool with you no more. We, you up out of here, right? And that's a misrepresentation of what the kingdom right. is. The kingdom is a theocracy. Tell your neighbor, say, in this kingdom. In this kingdom. You don't get a vote. You don't get a vote. That's right. In the kingdom of God, we don't all get to say, we, and this is what people try to do. People go, you know, everybody's fornicating. Marriage is obsolete. Fornication isn't a sin anymore. You don't get to decide it because you didn't set it. And so you, so you can get as many people on your collective team as you want to to decide that it's no longer a sin, but you didn't set the tone to begin with. It's the king's decree. It's the king's decree. And you are not the king. You are a king. But you are not the king. And so when you don't understand that, there are people in the body of Christ who live in place and they're like, oh, I'm saved. Well, I can do what I want to do. Well, actually, the Bible never said that. The Bible actually says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So I'm not trying to judge your salvation, but I would like to talk about why you don't obey. Because the Bible says, Jesus actually said to them, he said, why do y'all keep calling me Lord? You don't do none of the stuff that I tell you to do. And people don't realize this is that like um, sometimes people will ask me, they'll be like, well, why do you spend so much time talking to so-and-so, but the other person is doing the same thing and you don't say anything to them? Because you can't make grown people bow. Come on. So if you're not willing to listen, I just be like, well, touch them, Lord. Mm. Touch them. But if you want to go down there and burn your head again, bust your head open to the fat meat again, get left again, get fired again. If that's how you want to live your life, you an adult. Do what you want to do. Because yeah. you get to choose. But if you don't know what to choose, what should you choose? Choose life. Say that loudly. What should you choose? Choose life. Yes. And, and it's funny because you can actually see this play out in the natural sense, right? Anytime you get ready to go to another country, especially if it's a country that has vastly different laws in the United States, they kind of walk you through all the things you can and can't do in another country. Because while you may be an American and while you may be afforded certain rights and opportunities here, how many, how many of you know that would mean nothing in Thailand? You go over there and talk about their president, you subject to be in jail for the rest of your life. You don't get to just do what you want to do in another kingdom. So just like you can't be an American and go to Thailand or Russia and behave any way you want to, the same thing is true when you translate out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of light has certain rules and responsibilities that you have to govern just as the kingdom of darkness does. And if you've come out of that kingdom into this kingdom, it's important for you to know how to function so you don't violate laws and rules and regulations. And that's why Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and these things will be added to you. That's a great point. If we all packed up and went to China today, do you think it would be important to know if we can worship this way or not Absolutely. before we get there? Because you can't worship this way. Right. In China, you have to worship underground. So you can't be on putting no signs up talking about come over here to Fellowship of Champions. You're going to get everybody killed. But if you don't know that, then you go into another space thinking that you have the right to do whatever it is that you want to do. And in reality, there is no place in the world where you have the right to do whatever you want to do without consequences. Mm -hmm. You're free to do whatever you want to do. You're just not free from the consequences of it, mm -hmm. right? 
And so stubbornness manifests in different ways. You can look at yourself, judge yourself. It shows up as arrogance. It shows up as having to always be in control, mm -hmm. acting all-knowing, mm -hmm. being inflexible. Those are a few ways that it shows up. Now, most people would go, I'm not arrogant. Most people would go, I don't think I know everything. Most people would go, I'm not really inflexible. But if most people are honest, they love to be the in one control. in control. Yes. And people who love to be in control are typically stubborn. Mm -hmm. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, it's okay. Say, they're not going to talk about this the whole rest of the year. Just until you're not stubborn. Just until you're not stubborn. <laughs> so, you want to go here? Or where do you want to go? Well, yeah. You okay. You? So, where does stubbornness come from? Here's one place stubbornness comes from. It comes from pride. Nehemiah 9 and 16, it says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything. The multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful. You made a covenant with him to give his descendants the land. You have kept your promises because of your righteousness. You saw the suffering of our ancestors. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his officials and the people of the land. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry land. You hurled their pursuers in the depths like stone in the mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. You came down from Mount Sinai. My you God. spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, decrees and commandments that are good. You made them know your holy Sabbath. You gave them commands, decrees, and laws. In their hunger you gave them bread for heaven. In their thirst you brought them water from the rock you told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn to with unlifted hands to give them but they our ancestors became arrogant and stiff-necked and they did not obey your command that's a lot of stuff the lord did for them yes if did you that's a lot of stuff to turn around and be hard-headed <laughs> no let me get them an example that they understand okay your kid wants to go somewhere. They want to go to the mall. You take them to the mall. You buy them that outfit. They ask on the way they leave the mall, can they go to Chick-fil-A? You go to Chick-fil-A and you buy them what they want. You even get them a milkshake. Don't make them have to get a drink. They ask you. <laughs> a milkshake. They get a milkshake. You know that milkshake is an upcharge right there. That's good stuff. They ask you before you get home, can you stop by Walmart? In Walmart, not only do they get the thing they went to get, but you throw in a couple of other things in the basket for them, right? On the way home, they ask you, will you stop and pick up their friend and take them to Sonic and get them some Sonic drinks? You do that too. And when you get home, you say, can you take the dog out? And they roll their eyes. Mm. 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 You say, you say, can you wash the dishes? Uh, can you bring me some water? And they roll their eyes. And it take all of the Holy Ghost in you and the fear of jail. Not to kick them in their chest. 
That is what it looks That's like to be like. stiff-necked and arrogant. Like. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> all you saw done. your kid, but can you see yourself? Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. You saw your kid. You Some of you wanted to jump up and run back there right now and pop him. <laughs> out of your tail. <laughs> you saw your kid, but can you see yourself? That's can good. you see yourself? That's good. God will do all these things for you. And then he'll say, can you give that lady, a, uh, that lady at work, I want you to buy her lunch. I ain't buying her lunch. That is what it looks like to be stiff-necked. Because I want you to, because people like to look at the, um, the children of Israel and go, I would be better than them. You wouldn't. You aren't. That's why we need the blood of Jesus, right? Look at all God did for them, and they still were stiff-necked. Look at all you do for your kids, and they still are stiff-necked, right? How much does God do for you? How much has God blessed you this year? And then if you don't get something you want, you're talking about, I don't know if this really works. My work. goodness. Don't nobody really care. I'm out here in these streets all by myself. Stiff-necked, stubborn. And so as I was studying this, one of the things I asked the Lord, I said, why is there so many examples? Because there's so many examples in the Old Testament about the Lord telling people to do something and then they just wouldn't do it. Or they would do it for a little while and then go back to what they were doing. The Lord would say, hey, I'm going to rescue you out of this bad situation. All I want you to do is don't marry all of the people of all them ites, them Canaanites and Hittites and all. Just leave the ites alone. Don't marry them. And before you know it, they went and got them an ite. They married an ite, had kids with the ites. I mean, and before you know it, the Lord is like, I told you don't mess with the ites. Why would you do that? And then they say, Lord, they put us in bondage. Will you help us? And the Lord would have to go rescue them again. And you see this over and over and over. And I asked the Lord one time, I said, why is it that you see that so prevalent in the Old Testament? He said, because stubbornness is a spirit and you need the Holy Spirit to get it out of you. And if you remember in the Old Testament, they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in them. So the Lord said to me, now you can look at them for your learning, but you shouldn't repeat what they do. Because you've been endowed with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. They had an excuse for being stubborn. You don't have one. Because you say you, you are born again, spirit filled, tongue talking, fire breathing, all this stuff. And, but yet you're still stubborn. It shouldn't be that way. Amen. And so when you read the Old Testament, you see all of these people who were so stubborn in the book of Nehemiah, first and second Kings. I mean, the Lord is just rescuing them over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they had pride on their life. They, they didn't understand that they didn't get themselves out of that situation. They called on God. God delivered them. But then they thought somehow they got themselves out of that situation. And if we're not careful, we can get involved in that same thing. Absolutely. So number one, the first thing that will, that will cause stubbornness into your life is, is pride. What's number two? The second thing that will cause um, um, stubbornness in your life is fear. Mm. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, so do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be terrified. I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. My powerful right hand will take good care of you. I always do what is right. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, God. God. Always does. Always does. What is right. What is right. Concerning you. Concerning you. Amen. Now, you may have other people in your life who don't always do what's right concerning you, but God will always do what is right concerning you. Mm -hmm. And when you live in fear, 
fear is this feeling that it, you know, they used to say all the time that fear is false evidence appearing real. You ever been in your house by yourself? And you heard something? And then you got a plan because you're trying to figure out how to get to the door. I don't know if this happens for, I don't know if this happens more. Uh, I know this happens way more for me than Pastor Edwin, right? But like, he's always, like, if I'm at home by myself, I got everything locked. If he at home by himself, he got the front door. Baby, listen, I don't play no front door open, no garage, no nothing, right? I sit in the living room because there's two ways to get out, right? Listen. <laughs> I'm not going to be caught up in there. Now, nobody's ever broken in on me anywhere. Never. But do you see that that's what fear does for you? And when you operate in fear, you're always looking for options. You're always looking for ways to escape. The other thing with fear is fear causes you to freeze. Now, now think about that. You, when, when you are terrified, when you are in fear, you ever been watching a movie and, and, and something happens, somebody gets scared and you scream, run! They can't. Because fear causes you to freeze. And the problem with fear is, is that when the Lord is speaking to you about a situation, if you are fearful and the Lord tells you to move, fear will cause you to freeze. And so you will stay in this place of undecision. You won't do what the Lord says because you're afraid. Well, what if I do it and it doesn't work out? You have to understand, and I tell people this all the time, there's a difference in fear and danger. Fear is a feeling. It's, a, it's based on a perceived thing. Danger is real. If you got a python sitting beside you like this, that's danger. But if you're afraid of snakes and you ain't even seen no snake, no snake in the last five years, that's just fear. Those are two different, you, you understand the difference? Those are two different things. So it's, 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 it's a difference in having and understanding what danger is and understanding what fear is. And fear wants to come into your life and fear wants you to make a decision based on something that could be. This, this may not work. Well, it also may work. And if God said it, it's going to work. But fear wants you to freeze. Fear just wants you to not make a decision because not making a decision is actually making a decision. You know what else, though? Because we know that the learned behaviors that people are freeze people and people are flight, flight of, people flight of, or flight. fight people, mm -hmm. right? So not everybody freezes. What some people do is run away. That's true. And what some people do is stay, but they fight you every step of the way. It's like if, some, if you're drowning, right? One of the things you know, if you try to help somebody who's drowning, if they fight you, you have to let them go. Because if you don't let them go, they are going to take you down too, right? So you want to make sure, because you may be going, oh, I'm not a person who freezes. I'm not a person who freezes. But are you a person who runs away? Or are you a person who fights what it is that God is trying to do in your life? Mm. And sometimes we're probably all three, depending Doing on the situation. scenario, yep, right? Yep. Okay, and then the third thing. Yep. So we got pride. One of the things that causes stubbornness is pride. The second thing is fear. And the third one is doubt and unbelief. Doubt and, doubt and unbelief. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Neighbor. You must, you must be a believer. Be a believer. You got to believe God and you got to believe God's word. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 and 12, it says, take heed, brethren. Least there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And sometimes we think about evil as being sinister, 
Uh, because in America, everything evil we got with demonic spirits. But if you look at this word evil, this word evil really just means twisted, a twisted heart of unbelief. The word twisted in the natural gives you a picture of wicker furniture. You ever seen wicker furniture? It's just small, it's small pieces of wood that have been what? Twisted together. Now, how many of you know that wicker furniture can be really strong, depending on how, how tightly it's woven? The fact of the matter is there can be so much doubt and unbelief, so much fear, so much pride in your life. It can be so twined together that it is as strong as a wicker furniture. It is strong enough to hold everything you put your weight on. And the Lord is saying you don't want to have a heart that is twisted in the things concerning what I've told you to do to live. Amen. And so you got to get doubt and unbelief out of your life. Well, I think a great example of that is that if you go back to the offering teaching today, when the offering teaching today, one of the things that you said um, was say God wants me to be rich mm. and people wouldn't say mm -hmm. it they wouldn't say it now let me ask you a question anybody in here want to be poor no anybody in here want to struggle financially no but when somebody gave you an opportunity to break you through to something else you wouldn't say it either because you froze you didn't believe I don't know if they fought. Maybe they fought they against, the, against the fighting. word. But it's all of those things we've talked about, right? And so what happens is, I, because I think this is a, a, a good place to really circle back to what you were saying, is that so many times, you know, somebody's giving us instructions about how to change our life. Well, you don't want to be poor. You don't want to struggle. But you have so much doubt and unbelief regarding it that you wouldn't even say something that would potentially give yourself the ability to see yourself as something else. Yes. Because you won't even say it. So if you won't even say it, how could you ever be it? I think they want to redo. That we're going to give them a okay, chance give to give a redo. redo. We're going right. to give them a chance to But you got to dig this up. It's the same thing when we're teaching about healing. Yeah. Same because below. some of you do not realize your faith is not in the word. Your faith is in your experience. And that's dangerous. And that's dangerous. So, you, so if you had money in your account, you could have said it. But because you don't have the money yet, you wouldn't say it. It's the same thing when we're teaching people about healing. You're not healed when your body lines up. You're healed when you believe you receive what God said. And when you believe you receive what God said, it changes what you expect. Yes. But when someone says to you, God is looking to make somebody the man. God is looking to use somebody to be a blessing. God wants you to be more the one that's more blessed than to give than to receive. And when someone says, now say, God wants me rich. And you won't even say it. You can never live it. Mm. So That's why we, we say we ball. That's why we say we ball. <laughs> we ball. Oh, yeah, let's go ahead and dig that up. Some of you have seen so many poor church people, you can't even conceive that God makes people rich. You think it's got to be the devil. You have everybody you know who loved the Lord was broken, struggling. Big Mama was barely making it. But you like, praise the Lord, she could always make something out of nothing. Maybe Big Mama had never heard. Well, now you heard. Those are those secret things. Those are the secret things. That have been things. revealed to you. 
And when they have been revealed to you, they belong to not only you, but to you and your children and their children. If you will keep teaching it, you will never have to be broke another day in your life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. No, but this, this is what your grandmama did give to you. Your grandmama did give to you that if we just got a chicken and some green beans, I'll feed all of y'all. Mm -hmm. I'll multiply that food. So even though your grandmama didn't know she could be rich, she understood the God of multiplication. And now it's time for you to take that to another level. To another level. So that your kids now live at a higher level than you ever lived at. It's those secret I, no, things. It's the secret things. It's the secret things. See, that's how you know people who really givers. As long as somebody got to convince you to give, it's because you don't know giving is a secret. Giving seed, time, and harvest is the secret that lets me never live depending on a paycheck. A paycheck becomes seed. A resource, not a source. You think your paycheck is your harvest. Mm -hmm. Your paycheck, paycheck is, your is your seed. It's what you use to sow. It's what you use to sow to ensure that you never run out even if they cut the job off. The Bible says if you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, you could take an apple seed, plant it in the ground, and it would produce a tree, right? When a tree gets apples, can you eat the apple one time or nope. multiple times? Season after season. It's a multiple harvest. That's how you know your job cannot be your harvest because you have to keep working to get the money. But what you put in the kingdom is perpetual. Yeah. If you ever understood that, you give to everything that you can. Do you know why you give so quickly when somebody's sitting in this seat? Because you're hoping if you ever in that seat, people will give that quickly to you. You're sowing into what you want. You don't think you'll, you, you may not ever think you'll have to ask us. But your expectation is that if you ever don't have, that somebody will respond as quickly to you. As you respond. And not just have, if you ever just need. If you ever just need. Or if you ever just won't. Because you, uh, see, some of you are so need-based that you don't even understand that when you say need and God say need, y'all don't mean the same Come thing. Come on. Come on. When you say need, need means you're barely making it. So if the bill is $19.99, I need $20, right? When God says need, he means everything that pertains to life and godliness. God is so far above your basic needs and your thinking. Here's what he says. Don't give any thought for what you're going to wear. Uh -huh. Don't give any thought to what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to live. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. All of that stuff, the birds don't even worry about that. He said, birds don't even worry about that stuff. Your, your focus is on the wrong thing. I'm your daddy. I, that's, my, that's my job to take care of that stuff. Let's talk about some bigger things that you may want in need. And so when you start talking about your needs and you're talking about your rent, God like, no, let's move beyond rent. Most people never step into harvest because you're so consumed with yourself. All of your prayers financially, 
They're about what you need. We need to pay this bill. We need the money to send so-and-so, so-and-so. We go need four new tires. But when you start praying prayers about how to be a blessing to another person, God goes, wait a minute, wait. I can prove it to you. When we wanted to give those scholarships, I asked the Lord, I said, now, Lord, you know, in the next couple of years, we got more young people graduating than we ever had. In fact, I think if I count it right, I think there may be four or five people who are graduating high school in 20, 2019 who are connected to this church. I said, Lord, I don't want to do anything less for them than I did for the other people. I didn't say nothing to you about it at all. And since I told the Lord that our giving has gone up every single week. Because it's not about us. I'm like, Lord, how are we going to continue to bless these? That's $50,000 that we need to give away next year. Praise the Lord. So, so we, don't, we don't cut back on what we're doing. I said, Lord, this is what we need. Lord, you, you know what we need to do. And I don't come up every, every week trying to shake you down for it. I just teach you the word and you respond. And that's what the Lord wants. And so now we are well on our path that, this, that by June of 2019, we're going to have the $50,000 to give away. I think it's five. It may be. I think it's five of them. We're trying to get you to understand that when God is trying to shift us and move us into different places, if we fight, we don't get to go. That's right. If we freeze, we don't get to go. And so money is a barrier because your money tells you what to do it until does. you realize how to tell your money what to do. Amen. Amen. One of the things is this. I say this all the time. I say this all the time. I don't never run out of money. I don't ever run out of money. I don't ever run out of money. I'm a sower. How could I run out of money? God will let me find money on the ground if I need to. Earlier this year, we had a situation where we had paid off a car and they did not, after the wreck, and they did not give me all the money that was due to me. And when I called them, they was like, no, that's all. And I said, that ain't all my money. I want my coins. Like, I didn't say that to them. I just said to the Lord, you know they're holding up my money, right? They sent the money to the dealership, and the dealership sent the money to me. Because mm -hmm. you can't keep what belongs to me from me. Amen. Amen. When you really a giver, you never live again concerned about gas prices. You never live again concerned about whether rent goes up. You never concerned about any of that because God is your source. I'm, am I trying to get you to do something? I'm trying to get you to the place that the next time Pastor Edwin tell you to say that thing, which is going to be in a few minutes, that you're ready to say it, right? If you're tired of struggling, why would you fight us? Because we ain't struggling. We gave a testimony. All y'all didn't go to church here. So I'm going to tell the testimony again. When Elwin left, left his job before his last job, because Pastor Elwin is always getting promoted, okay? The insurance, our health insurance at our last job, not including dental and vision, was $1,800 a month. Mm -hmm. Got to have insurance. But you didn't know it. We never came here one time and said, if y'all don't help us, we ain't going to have health insurance. <laughs> you know why? Because y'all ain't our source. Amen. Who have you made your source? Who's your source? Your boss? Your mama and them? Your spouse? I love
love Pastor Elwin, but he not, like he not even my source. Thank the Lord. He, no, this I want you to hear me. He's not my source because he can't afford me. That's right. That's right. Amen. He is not my source because he he's good to me, but, I cannot, but he cannot afford me. I cost too much. Amen. Amen. So I have to pull into a system that is bigger than him. Yes. Yes. We're trying to help you because this next season that we're entering into, it is a financial breakthrough season. It is. I'm telling you. And you're going to find out that there are things that God wants to give you because some of you, all you know is work. God go use some things you didn't work for. Mm -hmm. Some of you are hard workers. You are diligent. You are faithful. But our God, he don't just give. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I, was, uh, I had a friend who was posting about how happy they were that their kid had worked hard for their first car. And I was like, well, I'm glad my kids didn't work hard for their first car because I worked hard for my first car. I wanted to give all my kids their first car. Because that's what it's like when you're going up and up and up, right? Well, what do you want to do that your money keep telling you that you can't? Mm. Well, if it's the will of God and you get in alignment with God, the thing that you didn't think you could do, you'll find yourself doing it. Mm -hmm. All right, Pastor Edwin, can you give them a chance? Yeah. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, say, Lord. Lord. I thank you, I thank you that, you that you have made me, made me rich. rich. There you go. All right. All right. All right. All right. I felt a little bleeding eyes on I, that I think the wall moved a little bit when y'all yelled that out. We're going to give you these five steps, and then we're going to give you a chance to say it again. So how do you overcome issues of stubbornness? I'll do one. I'll okay, do go ahead. Just go. Okay, okay. All right. Number one, learn to take every thought captive. Mm -hmm. Number two, do not act out of your flesh. Number three, pray about what to do, then do it only. Mm. Number four, give up the need to control everything. Mm. Number five, make the word of God the final authority. Mm -hmm. They say Sam again. Yep. Number one, number one, we, we look, we're trying to help y'all get out of here. Number one, learn to take every thought captive. When, the, when, 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 when a thought comes to you that doesn't line up with the word of God, you got to learn how to discard it quickly. Number two, do not act out of your flesh. Do not allow natural behaviors to be the first thing that you do, especially when they don't line up with God. Somebody say something snarky to you, don't just cuss them out. Don't get in the habit of just practicing doing that. Number three, Pray about what to do. That means you ask God about what to do, and then you do that only. Only what he told you. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Number four, give up the need to have control. Give up the need to have control. You don't have to control everything. It is okay to do it God's way. It is the best way. Amen? And then number five, make the word of God your final authority. Quit having these meetings with all of your friends and asking them what you should do when the Lord's already told you. The Lord had already told you what to do. You don't have to get six of your friends to agree. The Lord didn't need your friends to agree before he told you to break up with that boy. He already knew he wasn't no good for you. He told you, not your friends to break up. He says, you, you don't need to come out. Girl, he good. You ain't gonna fight. Be quiet. The Lord told me what to do. And then you obey God. Amen. Or, he, or her, or whatever the case may be. But if you take these five steps and it goes right back to giving, it yeah. says learn to take every thought captive. Yep. So when the enemy tries to say to you giving doesn't work, well, how could it not work? Because God tells the truth. Or if you give, you're not going to have enough. 
If you, if, how are you not going to have enough? The fact that he says it is indication that it's a lie because all he can do is lie. So when the enemy says, if you give, you're not going to have enough, I'm like, praise God, he just confirmed, I'm going to have enough. Because he's a liar. Think about that. Don't act out of your flesh. Here are two ways people act out of their flesh. They decide they're not going to give mm -hmm. or they give something God told them not to give trying to make something happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. God, I'm about to give this right now because I need to break heaven open. First of all, heaven is open. Right. Number two, your money couldn't break it open. Right. You don't and have to number break three, it. did God tell you to do that, which goes to the third thing. Pray about that and then do that only. It's the reason we don't have things like $1,000 lines and $500 lines. We don't play special. I don't, we don't get Valley and, 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 and Clarissa to play good music and, and soothe them when we do the offering. We don't do all that. Why? Because people get out of their emotion. I, listen, we talk to pastors all the time. We can't tell the number of people who bounce checks at conferences. Because the, they're like, they're like hey, we need everybody to give $1,000. You get caught up in your emotion to give $1,000. If you ain't got $1,000, just writing a check ain't going to make it show up in your account. That's illegal. <laughs> That's a bounce check. That's illegal. You can't do that. Amen. No, but real talk. The truth of it is, is that if you, because I want you to not, I want you to make sure that this is how nobody ever hustles you give it. Right. If you obey God, nobody can ever hustle Ever you. hustle. Now hear me. You could be in church and they could call for a thousand, they could say so a thousand dollar seed and you don't have a thousand dollars. Faith means you go as far as you can. Yep. Right. So you got $100 and you say, if it take me 10 months, I'm going to pay this off because that was the pledge that the Lord told me to give. Yeah. But he couldn't be telling you to give $1,000 if you don't have $1,000. He got to be talking to somebody else. Right. Now, if you had $1,000 saved up for your trip, he could be talking to you. There you go. There you go. And I think that that's the thing that people don't understand. Nobody can hustle you when you obey God. I like I that. love when people go, God would never ask me for so-and-so money. Oh, yes, he would. Oh, yes, he would. In fact, God likes to ask you for the money you're tied to. Mm-hmm. He likes to ask you to what your heart is tied to. So for. he can untie your heart. So he can untie your heart. So if you like, I'll do anything for my kids, no matter what. I'll go to the end of earth for my kids. You can have some for your kids. He'll be like, let me get that. Yep. Because <laughs> your kids shouldn't be your God. Yep. I know that's hard for some of you to hear because some of you, you take great pride and I'll do any and everything for my kids. But some of you in doing anything and everything for your kids, you're teaching your kids that they are the center of the universe. They are not. And you are teaching your kids that the whole world revolves around them, and including you. <laughs> and it doesn't. Including you. And you're raising them to be selfish. So pray That's about it. what you need to do. Well, God, what did you tell me to do? Mm -hmm. I always, I go to this church, I always pray about what should my offering be? Me too. When I travel to preach, I'm always like, what should my yep. offering be? I want to give whatever God is telling me to give. Throughout the week, I'm like, who can I be a blessing mm -hmm. to? Mm -hmm. And the other night, Canaan asked me, because Canaan always asking for something. Canaan asked me to give her money to go to Starbucks. And as soon as I gave her the money, Sydney wasn't even at our house. The Lord said, send Sydney money too. That's what happens when you position yourself to give. You'll be blessing people like every, because everybody you bless shouldn't be in object poverty. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't only be to give right. to something. They about to get evicted. We got to do something right now. You should be a blessing to people because you like to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. Number four, give up the need to have control. That's enough said. You're not the boss. Number five, make the word final authority. Yep. What did God say? 